Welcome back to Locked on Buckeyes. A wonderful Tuesday it is to you. I'm extending my gracious thanks for joining me here on Locked on Buckeyes. I am your host, Kyle Lamb. Listen, today, Chase Young, that's going to be the first focus of our conversation. I have got some numbers that are going to blow your mind coming up here in just a minute. You thought you knew how good Chase Young was, the Predator, right? You thought you've seen it all, how dominant he has been this season. I'm here to tell you, you have no idea. How is that for a tease? Chase Young is the best player in America. He is a generational talent. I have the stats to prove it. Also today, Ohio State, I've been talking this week about how historically good they are performing on the field. So now the question becomes, what are the expectations? What is a reasonable expectation for Ohio State going forward? We will discuss that in segment two. And Ohio State basketball about to kick the season off a little over a week from now, but they are actually opening things up to the public tomorrow. Wednesday is their first exhibition against Cedarville. I'll tell you what to watch for with this Ohio State basketball team. So we are locked on Buckeyes. We are on your favorite podcasting platforms. Please follow me on Twitter at KYLAM8 or follow the show at Locked on Buckeye Singular. Of course, tell all of your friends. That would be greatly appreciated if you like hearing what we have to offer. I hope you'll enjoy the stats and analysis and, and the conversation about the Buckeyes. It's, it's, it's a fun time to listen for Ohio State fans. You can find us on iTunes or Apple, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, pretty much all of the third-party podcasting platforms out there, or simply say, play the Locked On Buckeyes podcast on your favorite smart speakers. So plenty of ways to listen to us. Hope you'll find one. Hope you'll tell a friend and tell them to find one. Locked On Buckeyes is sponsored in part by Buckeye Grove for all the latest news, analysis, opinions, and insight on the Ohio State football and basketball teams please visit BuckeyeGrove.com. We're also sponsored by JFQ Lending. All of your mortgage and refinance needs should be handled by a Buckeye licensed in 33 states and more on the way. Check them out at JFQLending.com. And we are also supported by GoBus. Ride to over 40 stops across Ohio, connecting rural communities to Columbus, Cleveland, and Cincinnati, the three C's. Get to Ohio State games with GoBus and bring comfort back to traveling. Visit them at RideGoBus.com. So here's the thing. I promised a wow moment, okay? I promised I would blow your mind at just how good Chase Young has been for Ohio State this season. Now let me preface something here before we get into the nitty-gritty of this conversation and, and these absolutely surreal stats you know, normally defensive ends, you, you when you go back and, and you watch some of the best ones over the last decade or more, one thing that commonly stands out is their best seasons typically tends, tends to be the second year, the sophomore year, or maybe the redshirt sophomore year where they've been in the program three years. A lot of that, I think, has to do with the fact when guys get on the radar, they become so good. Teams absolutely game plan to take them out of the game. And that's not uncommon. We, we, we're we seeing that with Chase Young right now. Opponents have to 
basically commit to scheme against him. And I, I think that's why some of the best pass rushers in America typically are better as sophomores than they are juniors. We saw that with Joey Bosa with Ohio State. He was much better in 2014 than he was in 2015. And it's understandable. Jadavion Clowney was much better. Now, I think with Clowney, some of it was he took plays off. He didn't want to be at South Carolina. He was ready to be on the next level. He was ready to be in the NFL. So he, he was not as disruptive as a junior as he had been as a sophomore. So when I, I am prefacing all of this by telling you that so that you understand just how surreal these stats actually are. Because Chase Young is drawing more attention than he ever has in his career at Ohio State, which is why it's, it's truly stunning how good he is in spite of that. Look, before I start, I will say this. You know, Chase Young absolutely is on a path to greatness. Will he win the Heisman? I'm really honestly not sure. I, the odds are against the latest odds that came out from Bet Online has him at a 20 to 1 underdog to win the Heisman. That is actually the fifth best odds behind Burrow, who is even money, Tua Tungabaloa. Uh, you have Jalen Hurts, Justin Fields at number four. Chase is at number five, and actually J.K. Dobbins is in like a three- or four-way tie at 50-1 to for number six. So Ohio State is getting, I think, a fair shake at this, at this Heisman thing. I know some people are saying Ohio State should step up their game and get the Heisman campaign going for Chase Young. I would not do that, and here's the reason why. Because I don't think it's fair to single out Chase only from the standpoint that Justin Fields is also a Heisman contender having a great year. J.K. Dobbins also working him into the Heisman, working himself into the Heisman conversation, also having a, a great year. So Ohio State's in a unique position where they're the only team that has legitimately two or three guys that are getting into the conversation. If I'm Ohio State, I, I personally, this is just my own ideal. Maybe you have a different one. I would not be promoting a guy because you're kind of singling it out and saying, well, this guy is is better than the others. And I don't know if I would do that. If, if you're LSU, you only have Joe Burrow to hype. So I know Buckeye fans might be a little frustrated because you're going to see LSU doing the hype train with Joe Burrow. Actually, many of you might be rooting for Joe Burrow to win it anyhow if Chase can't win or Fields can't win it. That's fine. I am too. I'm hoping he wins it if it's not one of the Ohio State guys. Alabama is going to be pushing to a... Oklahoma is going to be pushing Hurts. I'm, I'm not sure with the Kansas State loss if Hurts has much of a shot now. But I would not, if I'm Ohio State, be pushing Chase Young just because they actually have a couple of legitimate contenders. I don't have any expectations for the Heisman because the Heisman has always been the best quarterback on the best team or the best quarterback on a team that has a chance to win a national title that doesn't have any bad losses there is such a, uh, you know, there's such a slim margin for guys that can actually win the Heisman. There really is. It's it's an offensive skill player award, always has been. Orlando Pace, of course, got invited to New York City. But there really, realistically, are not many guys that can actually win. I think Chase Young is going to wind up in New York City, maybe with fields there too, I don't know. But I think he's starting to get the attention he deserves. 
I think there will be enough people that vote him on their ballots, either one, two, or three, that he's able to at least get an invite and get legitimate consideration for the award. And that's all you can ask. He deserves at least that much. But if it comes down to voting the best player in football, Chase Young is it. He's actually currently on pace to tie the all-time NCAA FBS single-season sack record. Currently, that is Terrell Suggs, formerly of Arizona State, who had 24 sacks in 2002. He slipped a little bit in the first round only because of his height. Had he been a couple of inches taller, he would have been maybe the number one draft pick taken that year in the NFL draft. I can't tell you how much I hate NFL executives that don't pick a player just because of their height alone. That always annoyed me with Drew Brees. Now, granted, I never thought that Drew Brees would be as good as he has been for the Saints, but I thought he was a heck of a quarterback at Purdue. And I always said, if your only issue with him is that he's not 6'3 or 6'4, then you better take the guy. And history has proven the Saints were wise to trade for him. I know he wasn't drafted by the Saints, but but they were wise to trade for him. That has really worked out great for New Orleans. But the same thing with Terrell Suggs. Suggs had 24 sacks in 2002 and and slipped in the NFL draft solely because, well, he wasn't a 6'3 pass rusher. But here's the thing. Chase Young, if he were to only play in one bowl game, as of right now, he would be on pace to have 24 sacks, which would tie the all-time record. Now, if his snap counts go up, as would be expected late in the season because of playing four-quarter games against Penn State and Michigan, maybe the Big Ten title game, whatever bowl game Ohio State plays in, even if it's the college football playoff, and hey, maybe if they get to the championship game, He's got an opportunity there for an extra game on top of that. So with more snap counts and potentially that extra game at the end of the season, Chase Young actually could wind up being the all-time NCAA FBS single-season sack leader. And that is despite the fact that currently, through eight games, he has only played 165 pass snaps as his dropbacks or the quarterback drop back into a pass. 165 snaps on dropbacks out of roughly about 260 for Ohio State. Chase Young right now has 13 and a half sacks. That is better than 39 team totals out of 130 teams in FBS, despite only playing 165 snaps. So Chase Young by himself has more sacks than almost a third of college football. Let that sink in. But that's not what I was going to blow your mind with. I went back the last five years and I looked at all of the pass rushers that were taken in the top 15 picks of the NFL draft. There were nine of them taken in the top 15, okay? Nine defensive ends taken in the top 15 of the NFL draft in the last five seasons. Some of those guys are instant names you would recognize, Of course, the Bosa's from Ohio State, Miles Garrett, Bradley Chubb, Clellan Farrell last year from Clemson, DeForest Buckner a few years ago from Oregon. The list goes on. There's a few others in there, but those are the main ones that stand out. I wanted to include Jadavion Clowney in this list 
But unfortunately, the data that I used for this exercise was from Pro Football Focus, and they did not begin the snap records until 2013, but they did not have them for every single team, so I could not gain them for Clowney in his final season. But what I did, of these nine guys, 10 if you include Chase Young, I went through and looked at their run snap counts for their best season of their career, not necessarily their final season, but their best season, and I looked at their past count, past snap counts, how many times they were on the field when an opposing quarterback dropped back to pass. I looked at these two things separately. First, what I did is I added them up. You had, of these nine guys, you had an average of about 900 run snaps and 400 pass snaps out of nine. That, that, those were the averages, which roughly came out to about, on average, 17 tackles for loss among these nine guys, 10 sacks, and 31 hurries. Okay, those were the averages of the nine. Now, I'm going to start with tackles for loss. I'm going to go down the list here. I'm going to pick out basically uh, six guys that have stood out the most. The Bosa's, Miles Garrett, Bradley Chubb, Clellan Farrell, and DeForest Buckner. Okay, those are the six that I picked because they were the best out of this. Let's start with tackles for loss. These guys as a whole, the average of the nine... Averaged one tackle for loss every 18 snaps. Okay, remember that. The average of these top 15 NFL picks at defensive end averaged a tackle for loss every 18 snaps. From worst to first out of these six guys, I'm going to tell you their averages. You had DeForest Buckner, 21.9. That's one TFL every basically 22 run snaps. Then you had next on the list, Miles Garrett, basically one TFL every 17 snaps. You had Joey Bosa, a tackle for loss every 15 snaps. Clellan Farrell, a tackle for loss every 15 snaps. And then you had Nick Bosa and Bradley Chubb were the best in this category, getting a tackle for loss every 12 and 12 and a half snaps, respectively. You want to know what Chase Young is. Chase Young currently, out of 130 snaps in the run, he has a TFL every eight and a half snaps. That's eight and a half when the average of these nine guys was 18. The next best was the uh, Nick Bosa, and Bradley Chubb, just over 12 respectively. Now, let's move on to the pass game. Because this is really where it gets freaky. Like, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with hurries next, okay? As far as hurries, you know, these nine guys averaged 400 dropbacks. Some of them had, you know, were more. Joey Bosa was 515 his best year, his sophomore year. Some of them were less. Uh, for instance, Clellan Farrell was only 344 last year. Nick Bosa, as a sophomore, was 338. But these nine guys collectively averaged a hurry every 13 snaps. Joey Bosa averaged a hurry every 11. Nick Bosa averaged a hurry every 9.5. Miles Garrett every 12.6. Bradley Chubb every 13.3. Clellan Farrell every 10.8. 
DeForest Buckner every 14.4. Chase Young is currently averaging a hurry every eight snaps. That is a snap and a half better than Nick Bosa's sophomore year. So again, I'm looking at the best seasons for each of these top 15 defensive end pick. Again, Chase Young coming in number one. Really, really incredible stuff. Now, hurries, these are a little bit subjective because Pro Football Focus grades these things. They go back and look at the film. And then, you know, there is a subjective grading to determine what constitutes a hurry. So you got to understand the hurries are a little bit iffy there, but still very impressive young, impressive stuff by Chase Young. Now, here is where I am about to blow your mind. Let's move on to sacks, okay? This is a percentage of dropbacks. Actually, it's not a percentage. It's how many dropbacks per sack. That's what I'm about to tell you. Again, the average out of the nine guys that I looked at, the top 15 picks in the last five years of the NFL draft, they average one sack for every 40 dropbacks, okay? Now, keep that in mind. From worst to first, you have Buckner, 53.4 snaps per sack. You have Nick Bosa and Bradley Chubb, one sack for every 40 dropbacks. You have Joey Bosa, one sack for every 38. Clellan Farrell, one sack for every 30. The best out of this group was Miles Garrett, one sack for every 26 snaps, 26 dropbacks. Chase Young this year for Ohio State right now, you all know he has 13 and a half sacks. He is averaging one sack for every 12 dropbacks. That is a sack for every 14 more, every 14, 14 fewer snaps per sack than Miles Garrett, who is best on the li- this list, and was a top three pick in the NFL draft. So, the moral of this story is Chase Young is an absolute monster. This is the best of the best of the pass rushers in the last five years in the NFL draft. And I, I would like to go further back because I really would like to see the numbers against a J.J. Watt or a Jadavion Clowney. But regardless, Chase Young is putting up numbers right now that are incomparable to any other defensive end in recent years. As I mentioned, he's on pace to tie, maybe even break the all-time single-season sack record. And he's doing it in by far far fewer snaps. He is averaging a sack every 12 dropbacks right now. That is insane. When the average for a top 15 defensive end pick in the NFL draft the last five years is every 40 dropbacks. He's doing it in 12. Really, really insane stuff. Just unfathomable how good he is. Coming up next, the expectations for Ohio State football have certainly changed from the start of the season. What are realistic expectations? We'll talk about that. Locked on Buckeyes continues to grow as a must-listen with Ohio State sports fans. Please, there is room for you to grow your business with us by taking advantage of our competitive sponsorship rates and concentrated demographic. So if you would like to get on board and join us for the show, please email me, lockedonbuckeyes at gmail.com to learn more about how the Locked on Buckeyes podcast can benefit you. If you are over the age of 30, you know what the concern is coming up here to end the regular season for Ohio State. 
And that is, of course, it is the game. I don't care how good Ohio State is. I don't care how bad Michigan is. In any season, you can't shake those nightmares from a younger self where you remember Ohio State's season being ruined. It happened so many times. It happened almost every other year, it felt like, in the 90s. But it definitely happened in 96. It happened in 95. It sort of happened in 93. It happened in 92. Not as badly as the others, but the point is it happened so many times. You can't shake that. It's a part of history. It's it's a part of you. You're always going to have a little bit of post-stress disorder. Uh, you know, it, it, you just can't shake it. And in this particular case, I think coming into this year, there is a certain fair amount of confidence that Ohio State has a really good team that's not going to let itself, if it's going to lose to a game like Michigan, it's going to be based on just not having it that day or the other team just playing really well. Michigan is slowly getting things together. They've got a very respectable defense, both against the run and against the pass. The run game is slowly looking very, very solid. Zach Charbonnet is finally healthy. Hassan Haskins has improved. He's still not a great between-the-tackles runner, but he's bouncing off tackle and and making better runs. They're, They're getting some consistency out of that run game. If there is a flaw for Michigan, it's I still don't trust that pass game. Shea Patterson has not been a consistent passer down the field. I don't think he can make big-time throws with regularity. He doesn't have a great arm. And outside of maybe Ronnie Bell, they don't have receivers that are going to take it to the house against you. They're not, they're not home-run hitters. But Ohio State certainly has a new paradigm. Fans have a new perspective on this team because this is one that has shown us they are potentially a great team, maybe historically great. They have certainly played historically great to this point. I guess the question I have now is, with you, is it playoff or bust? Because I got to under, you know, in in a normal season going into a year, I, I feel like it's irrational and a little unfair to expect only playoffs for it to be a successful season. I think you can find satisfaction and enjoyment out of a Big Ten title. Maybe not as much as in the past, just because we're talking about a four-team playoff as opposed to handpicking two teams for the BCS title. But I still think ultimately you have to find some success for a a one-loss or two-loss season where you win the conference. There's got to be some enjoyment level there. But the way this team is playing now, if it's not a playoff appearance, I can understand the disappointment because they look like a playoff team. They don't just look like a playoff team. They look like the team to beat in the playoff. If I had to put money down, and I'm not I'm not doing that. I don't like to gamble. Even though I like I love to talk about it. I love the underlying analytics and the concepts behind it. I just don't like to actually uh, walk the walk as far as putting money on it. But if I had to gamble and I, I had to put money on on who's going to win the title this year, no heart. This is all head. This is all logistics. This is all analytics speaking. I would do it. I would put it down on Ohio State. 
because I think they are the best team in the country. I really do. I think the numbers look that that the numbers tell me that as well as the eye test. This is one where the numbers match what I'm seeing when I watch a game. Sometimes they don't do that. Like I'm going to uh, you know, I'm going to be honest. Iowa State is a team where I have analytics where I look at adjusted yards per play to the competition. Those analytics, the yards per play, love Iowa State. They think Iowa State is a top 10 team. But I look at Iowa State's results, losing again this past weekend. I look at Iowa State when I when I flipped on the flipped through the TV and turned on bits and pieces of their games, and I watched and I'm just like, I don't get it with this team. You know, the eye test doesn't match with a team like Iowa State what the analytics like about them. And that happens sometimes. I think the analytics are solid in that they are measuring what happened on the field, but they're not always the the best predictor of what's going to happen in the future. But with Ohio State, the analytics are so impressive. They're so historically good that this is not a fluke. I'm going to have Andrew Percival. You may have seen him on Twitter. He does some amazing work with stats and analytics. He keeps a... um, a matrix of SRS, which is simple rating system. He keeps a matrix of different rating systems and algorithms out there like FPI, S&P Plus, all of those Sagarin, all of those numbers and systems that you hear about. He keeps track of all of them. He's going to be on later in the week, and we'll get into the analytics, just how good Ohio State is now, how good they are historically. We'll talk about some of the teams that are legitimate contenders according to his metrics. That should be a lot of fun. We'll talk about that later this week. But is Ohio State, is it playoff or bust? I want to hear from you at KYLAM8. You can also message the show at Buckeye. Let's get the conversation going. Can you be happy with anything less than a playoff appearance this year? Or can you be happy with anything less than a championship? What are your expectations? Me personally, I am still going to tell people to be wary of Penn State. I'm still going to be tell, tell people to be wary of Michigan because I think these two teams are very good. I think that they are still capable of biting Ohio State, especially on an off day. I do not think this team will allow it to be a case where they lose a game just because they just didn't show up or have it. Like it was not a case where like a Purdue or an Iowa the last two years. I don't see that happening. If they lose... It's going to be because they just you know, maybe they didn't play well. Every time a team doesn't play well, it doesn't mean that they weren't prepared. I think in the case of Iowa and Purdue, that had something to do with it. I don't think it's going to be that case this year. If they lose a game, it's just going to be somebody gets them. But I will say this. If this Ohio State team we have seen through eight games thus far plays its A game, nobody in the country, including Alabama or LSU or Clemson, is going to beat Ohio State. Ohio State's A game is better than any team in college football. And why not? It's well above average. It's the best run run game Ohio State has had in years, consistently, from week to week. It's a really good pass game. Maybe not as good as Dwayne Haskins last year, but it's up there. And on defense, we're talking about the number one defense in the country now in almost every metric imaginable yards per play yards per game yards per drive points per drive points per play past defensive efficiency adjusted yards per attempt yards per carry 
red zone defense. In almost every metric, this defense, which is just scary good right now and consistent, they are, if not number one, the number two or number three in everything. So Ohio State, it's a new paradigm. This is the best team in the country, but don't get too overconfident. Don't get cocky just yet. If you're over 30, you remember those Michigan losses like they're yesterday. You'll never forget them. You'll never go to any Michigan into any Michigan game thinking Ohio State's got this. No worries, no problems. But the same thing goes for Penn State. Penn State has pulled off a few upsets in the series. So don't discount the Nittany Lions either. Bottom line, what I'm telling you here, Ohio State is the best team in the country. And I don't think they're going to be caught looking ahead. I don't think they're going to be caught taking any team seriously because I think this team means business. I think they have real leadership, not just with the coaching staff, but within the locker room. So if they lose a game, it's not going to be on account of bad leadership. But they're still capable of just not having it one day. Not every team is going to show up and play its best game. So I think the expectation now is playoffs. I think that's fair. Just don't get too carried away just yet. Coming up here in one second, we will, of course, be wrapping this up and talking about Ohio State basketball, which on Wednesday will tip it off for the first time in the public's eye in an exhibition game against Cedarville. Make sure you follow Locked on Buckeyes. We are on Twitter, at Locked on Buckeyes Singular. We're on all of your favorite podcasting platforms, including Apple iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and by playing Locked on Buckeyes on your smart speakers. Your first peek at the Ohio State Buckeyes basketball team comes Wednesday evening, 7 o'clock, in the Schottenstein Center, Value City Arena to be more specific. Ohio State hosts Cedarville, the Yellow Jackets, a Division II club, in its first exhibition of the season. Ohio State basketball spoiler alert, has a chance to be very, very good. If you're not familiar with this team, I will tell you this in a nutshell. This is actually the second time, second attempt that they've had to have outside competition. The first was a quote-unquote secret scrimmage against Louisville last week. All we know for sure from that is that Ohio State apparently did win the game by about 12 points, the scrimmage by, by about 12 points. And Chris Mack, head coach of Louisville, was asked what he got from his team's performance against Ohio State. And he said, paraphrasing, we got our ass kicked. That may have been actually a direct quote, we got our ass kicked. (laughs) But he did say we got our ass kicked by Ohio State. So encouraging if you're an Ohio State fan. Now a couple of qualifiers beyond the fact it was a scrimmage. Number one, Ohio State was out without a couple of players Musa Jallo, the junior wing, is going to be out indefinitely with arthroscopic ankle surgery. Justin Ahrens, who's been battling an injury, did not play as well. And DJ Carton had a sprained ankle where he was not able to go the entire scrimmage. On the other side, though, by the same token, Louisville was out without three rotation players as well. So take that result with a grain of salt on both sides. And the fact it is a scrimmage early in the year. 
don't take it as gospel, but I will tell you this. Louisville is a top 10 team that I think number five in the preseason AP poll. And Ohio State went in, and if you listen to Chris Mack, he'll tell you Ohio State kicked their asses. So that is interesting. Ohio State has a chance to be very good. They're number 18 in the preseason AP poll. They're number 16 in the preseason coaches poll. Ken Pomeroy, if you are a big analytics fan in basketball as well, has Ohio State preseason number 11. If you're wondering how that happens with with a computer poll, basically it takes some of the data from last year. It regresses the talent that they lost as well as the talent coming in, and it projects future success based on past empirical results. So Ohio State is projected to be number 11 this year in the Ken Pomeroy system, which is a per-possession type of stat. It measures how many points you score per possession, which is different than, you know, if you score 80 points in 80 possessions, that's clearly not as good as 80 points in 60 possessions. But Ohio State, a couple things here to watch for. At point guard, they've got a combination of a really good freshman, DJ Carton from Bettendorf, Iowa. He's a true freshman, one of the best point guards in the country. They have him coming in as well as a transfer from Florida State, C.J. Walker. Walker probably will start for Ohio State this year. Great all-around point guard. He can pass it really well. He can score pretty well, shoot pretty well, plays great defense, good leader. C.J. Walker, D.J. Carton. By the way, the Buckeyes have a uh, .J thing going on here. They have C.J., D.J., and E.J. That's going to be very confusing. If you're listening to this podcast, I will try to enunciate CJ, DJ, and EJ when I'm speaking, so it'll be easier to follow which guy I'm talking about. But at point guard, they do have CJ Walker, DJ Carton. At guard, I mentioned Ahrens, Jallo, who knows when he's going to get back, but they they are very talented there. Dwayne Washington coming back, Luther Muhammad, one of the best defensive players potentially in the country. They, of course, have Andre Wesson uh, in the front court. They're going to be loaded with Caleb Wesson losing another 30 pounds and being a beast, I think, this year, by all accounts so far in practice. Kyle Young, junior forward. They're also going to have E.J. Lydell, the third of that dot .J group that I mentioned. E.J. Lydell is a top 30 freshman from Illinois, big-time power forward. He's going to see a lot of minutes. I think he's going to be very good. So anyway, Ohio State has a combination of youth and experience but they are talented all the way through they have a very deep roster you're going to see anywhere from 10 to 12 guys contributing for Ohio State this year the Buckeyes are an exciting group I look for them to win a lot of games the over under for Ohio State in the regular season is 22 and a half wins out of 31 regular season games that means Vegas thinks they're going to go in the regular season either 22 and 9 or 23-8, somewhere in that neighborhood. You're looking at a top-five Big Ten team on paper, a great non-conference schedule for the Buckeyes this year. They kick it off next Friday with Cincinnati, also in the first week of the season at home against Villanova. They go to Cleveland to face West Virginia in December, Kentucky out in Las Vegas, and a road game in the ACC Challenge against North Carolina. So Ohio State basketball, very exciting. Kicking it off, tipping it off, at 7 p.m. Wednesday evening at home against Cedarville. Make sure you take a look at Ohio State. Either 
you're going to have to either go to the game in person if you're in Columbus, or if you want to see them on television, it's only available on a stream. Go to BTN Plus and get a monthly subscription. You're going to have to shell out a few bucks on the credit card if you want to see them live. But Ohio State basketball season opening to the public Wednesday night for the first time, kicking it off a week from Friday at home against Cincinnati. That is going to do it for Locked on Buckeyes for today. Make sure you join us again tomorrow. We'll be back Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. It may be bye week, but we ain't got the blues here. Check us out on Locked on Buckeye on Twitter. Give us a listen and a follow. Apple iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio. That's going to do it for us. We'll see you next time.